0: Man, I was about to start dancing on that last song. That was some good stuff. That was some good stuff. Um, yeah, if you want to find your seat quick, um, you know, we say this every week, but, you know, giving is an extension of worship, so we're not going to have a giving message today. We're just going to have the buckets. They're going to be passed, and so if we can have our ushers move um, to the front, we're going to pass the buckets, then we're going to get going here. Um, before we get started, I have some announcements that I just want to highlight. Uh, the first announcement I want to give is Sunday mornings. If you come to church here at Resurrection Life Church on Sunday mornings, we've realized that we've not been able to connect with you if you come on Sunday mornings. So we opened up what we call a hub. Basically what it is is a meeting, a place of meeting where we have coffee and we have some of the leaders um, of access who are there. It's located on the bottom floor, just outside the worship center um, in the middle of the section. So if you go to the middle of the worship center and come out and in that hallway, we'll be right there. So if you come on Sunday mornings, we want to invite you to, to come and say hi to us, fellowship with us, get a cup of coffee and it will be wonderful. Second announcement this Saturday, um, Dream Center. We're doing a fall cleanup serve project with Dream Center. Um, Greg Mulchon came here a couple weeks ago, talked about the Dream Center. It's a ministry in downtown Grand Rapids. Basically what they do is they go out into the city and they find a need and they meet the need. So they're doing a fall cleanup, break and leaves. So we're inviting, and we're trying to get as many people as we can to go and help with the Serve Project. So it's this Saturday at 1130. If you actually want to take your phones off, we're going to get our, take our phones out a couple times during the message today. Um, if you go on our Facebook page, come on, I, know, I see you guys checking Facebook during my messages. Don't pretend like you don't ever check Facebook <laughs> while I'm speaking. Come on. Oh, okay, got three people. Good. Can I get four? Can you get your phone out? And go to the Access Facebook page, okay? And I want you to find the Dream Center Fall Cleanup Event. If you are interested in going, all the information is there. All you have to do is click... Um, I'm going, and that way we can know how many, roughly how many people are going to go, so we can communicate with Dream Center how many people we're going to bring, um, and I would love to see, I mean, everyone, what's up, Jack? how you doing, man, are you? good, bro, he's like 6'10 and he walked in late, it's so like, can't. <laughs> so, uh, I don't even know, you just totally messed me up, man, yeah, it's okay, man, um, we want, I would love to see everyone there, um, oh, I'm watching a video. On Facebook. But if you can't make it, we understand. But we would love to see you there serving with us, serving the community, loving our neighbors, just like we talked about in our last series. And so that's this Saturday. Find us on the Facebook event and we'll see you there Saturday. RSVP. So I'm gonna get I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna get started here. Dear God, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're so near. You're so much closer than we can ever imagine. So we just, right now, we put our attention on you. We put our attention on your presence, on your love, God, and we just ask that you teach us the very thing we need to be taught today. Holy Spirit, I, I just submit myself to your to your teaching. I submit myself to you. And I, and I just say to God, I, I just wanna listen. I just wanna do what you, you've called me to do and call me to say today. So I thank you, God, that you're so near for every single person in this room. And I just pray that we have fun and that we learn and that we grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen so as I was praying for the service, um, I, I really feel like God highlighted something to me. Um, it might not pertain to everyone, but I'm just going to say it, um, is that there are some people here who don't know why they're here. Um, but there's a reason why you're here. Um, some people might be, their life is a little bit of an tizzy right now and they're just kind of confused and they just thought maybe going to church would be a good, uh, a good solution to their problem, and, and I have something to say to that. Church is not your solution; Jesus is your solution. Yeah. Um, luckily, we love Jesus here, so it's a good place to meet him. Uh, so I just wanted to say that, and I think this message is really going to speak to um, everyone tonight. So we're starting a new series. I didn't even tell you what it's about, and you're excited. Wow! Um, oh, before I get into that, I forgot. Okay. So I want to paint with, for you a scenario that you've most likely uh, been in before, and it's always funny, and I, and I love these scenarios. When you're in a high school class, you're maybe in college class, it might be even here at Access, it might be somewhere, somewhere that you go consistently, and you have, like, your spot. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you have, There's, like, no assigned seats, but you have, like, your spot. So you go into class, and you have, like, your spot, you've been sitting there for weeks, and then somebody else sits in your spot, and you're like dude, this is my spot. And he's like, there's no assigned seats. Yeah, but I'm sitting there every day for the last three weeks. It's my spot. And they say, well, there's no assigned seats. And you say, no, it's my spot. <laughs> and then you even hear, I, and I notice this every week, like the same people sit in the same sections every single week. And some people even sit in the same spot every single week. And I, I wonder what would happen if, if somebody sat in your spot. You're like, this is my spot parking spot. Maybe it's a pool table. You you play at the specific pool table because some of them are janky and they can't even hit the bumpers on of them. So you have like your two pool table, which is the best one, and you don't want anyone to get your pool table. And if if they get it, you're like, that's mine. That's my pool table. That's my seat. That'll connect later on. You know I, I do this all the time so it shouldn't surprise you. I do I I give a little story in the beginning and I connect it like at the end because I want you guys to be on the edge of your seat. You're like, how is he going to connect it? I wonder where. So we're going to start a three-week series. Uh, <laughs> this guy's cracking me up over here. Thanks, Austin. So we're starting a three-week series. It's titled "Living in Your Inheritance." Um, that's the title of tonight's message. The, the the title of the series is "Living in Your in Your Inheritance," and we're going to be looking at the the historical account of Joshua. Joshua, living in your inheritance. The first week um, tonight, I'm speaking on discover your inheritance or discovering your inheritance. Next week, I'm gonna want, I want be bringing a message on Joshua and God and their relationship. It's gonna be, um, be talking yourself into your inheritance or convincing yourself of your inheritance. And then in two weeks from now, on November 17, Pastor Kurt Ains is gonna be back. We're so excited for him. He's going to be back and he's going to be sharing about Joshua and Jericho on fighting for your inheritance. And so we're really excited. I'm really pumped about this series because I believe it pertains to everyone in every stage of life, no matter where you're at. If you don't know God, if you've just started to follow God, or if you follow God and you're just looking you know, to continue to grow in your relationship, I think it pertains to everyone. So we're going to be talking about Joshua and Caleb tonight. Joshua and Caleb. And like I said, the the title of the message tonight is Discovering Your Inheritance. And before I start, I want to explain or define, this is JB definition of inheritance when it comes to Christianity. Inheritance is the life Jesus paid for us to live. It's the life that Jesus paid for, it's not the life that you're living in now. It's not the life I'm living in now because I realize in myself there's areas in my life that are not submitted fully to Jesus Christ. He paid for more than what I'm living in now. So inheritance is the the life Jesus paid for us to live. Anything less is living under or below our inheritance. So I want to give you the context or the background information of the story of Joshua. Joshua was a man in the Old Testament. He was the um, understudy of Moses. Or he was the apprentice of Moses. He was Moses' servant. He was the guy who followed Moses around everywhere. And so the context of the story today, of the story of Joshua and Caleb, is the Israelites have just left Egypt, and they're out in the wilderness, and they're going towards the promised land. It's this land, the land of Canaan, that God promised to Abraham hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. He promised it to them and so the the Israelites were going to this promised land, the land that was theirs. It was their land from the beginning. It was always their land because God gave it to them. Is anyone picking up on where I'm gonna, where I'm gonna um, connect the beginning to? It was their land. Some people are smiling, other people are like, I don't know, not listening to me or something, I don't know. So, it was their spot. It was their location. It was their inheritance. So, they're just outside. So, they've been traveling for two years. And just a context, they have a million people with them. A million. And the million people is broken up into 12 different tribes. So, you could say, you know, there's the United States and there's 50 states. So, there's a million people, 12 tribes. So, Moses... They're just on the outskirts of this land that God has promised them. They're just outside of it. They're looking in. They're, they may be, may be in sight. They may be in walking distance. And Moses says, okay, I'm going to take 12 guys, 12 leaders of each tribe, each of the 12 tribes, and I'm going to send them to the land. to Check it out. I'm going to send them to the land to get a taste of what the, our inheritance is going to be. I'm going to give them a taste of what is coming. And so they're going, and Moses instructs them to make observations. What is it like? What's the fruit like? What's the soil like? What is, it, what is this land that we are going to inherit like? So they're gone. These 12 guys are gone for 40 days. 40 days they spend traveling and living in this area, basically scoping it out. And then here we take place in Numbers 13, 26 through 27. And this is, we're scratching the surface on the story. I mean, if you read Numbers, it's very, there's so much to it. I'm just scratching the surface here. Numbers 13, 26 through 27. So the 12 spies, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land they gave Moses this account we went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey here is the fruit so if you read this it shows it tells that the spies came back and there were vines of grapes that were so big that they put them on sticks and two guys would have to carry them does that make sense? So they put them on sticks. And One guy here, one. About, that's how they were. That's how big these grapes were. That's how bountiful. That's how fruitful. That's how healthy this land was that God had promised to the Israelites. Very healthy. And so they gave their support. It's really good. It's really good. This land is awesome. This land is awesome. This land is everything that God had said it was. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's such a wonderful piece of inheritance that is ours. Which brings up my first point in living in our inheritance is you have to identify your inheritance. You have to identify what's yours. You have to identify where you want to be. So it's hunting season, right? You have any hunters here? Crazies? I don't hunt. But um, I want... I want you to imagine like someone's in a tree stand. They're waiting for this deer. But while they're waiting, they decide that they want to be blindfolded and they want a challenge. So they blindfold themselves and they're just going to wait and, and try to, to shoot a deer blindfolded. So, they, so the deer comes, he hears some rustling, but he doesn't know if it's a squirrel, doesn't know if it's a raccoon, doesn't know if it's a deer. So he just shoots. He doesn't know he's aiming it. He doesn't know where he's aiming. He's never going to hit it. Because if you don't know where you're aiming, you'll never hit your target. You see, the problem is is that most people believe that Christianity is an aim towards heaven, and it's not. Christianity is an aim towards bringing heaven to earth. What are we aiming at? Do you even know what you're aiming for? Do you know what your life is about? Do, Do you know... The purpose of your life? Right. Do you know why you're alive? Do you know what God has called you to do? Do you know, without a doubt, where you're going? Because if you don't know where you're going, you're wandering. Right, and we'll see what happens to these people who don't know what they're looking at, don't know they don't they're not aiming anywhere. So my goal tonight is to lead us all, myself included, into a position where we can start aiming. All of our all of our bullseyes are gonna look differently. They're all gonna be different. But it's important that we know where we're going. Because if you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there. You'll never get where you want to be. Living how do I put this? People who inspire us, people who are successful, people who we look up to are never there on accident. It's because they have a plan. It's because they're aiming at something. So, the land. So, these guys, they go, their inheritance. So, they go and they look at their inheritance and they see this land and it's like, it's awesome, guys. It's like, flowing. I know it doesn't make sense to us, like flowing with milk and honey. What does that even mean? Like bumblebees and cows? I don't know. <laughs> so, um, but it's just very prosperous. It's a land that everyone coveted. <sighs> Some of you know the story. But I'm going to wait to expose the ending if you don't. Can you imagine what these 12 guys, there's 12 guys, can you imagine what they would have felt like? Because think about it. Two years they were in the desert. Two years they were in the wilderness. Two years they lived day to day. Two years they were not well off. Two years they were just not looking good. And then all of a sudden they come into this land and they're like, oh my gosh, this is our land? Oh my gosh, this is, this is for us. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine this. Oh my gosh, this, has, this is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. Oh my goodness, this land, this life, this life that these Christians talk about is too good to be true. Freedom is too good to be true. Confidence in yourself is too good to be true. Living free from your past is too good to be true. It can't be done. Living a life sold out to Jesus Christ is just it's too good to be true. So, I want to touch on one thing. I'm going to come back to that. What if we approached our inheritance like a child? I want to read a verse. Matthew 18:2 through 4. This is Jesus talking. Well, this is a story about Jesus. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. Matthew 18, two through four. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I don't don't want you to mistake being childish and childlike. You can be childlike without being childish. Childlikeness is, is believing what God says. Childlikeness is taking the word of God for what it says and not filtering it through your past experiences. Childlikeness is taking God for his word and saying, you know what? It's not applying to my life right now, but I still believe because little kids believe in a big fat man with a white beard who who dresses in a red suit, who travels all around the world in one night and delivers presents to every kid in the world. Because that's what kids do. They believe in an Easter bunny that, that lays eggs that has candy in it or something. Kids believe, man. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to be in. I went to school to be an elementary school teacher. Is I loved that about them because I thought maybe if I can be around children, maybe I could be more like Christ because they just believe. When you ask them, what do you want to be? They're like, I want to be, be a world, I want to be a policeman, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer. I want to. When you get older, what do you want to be? I don't know if I can be anything because we filter our life through our past experiences. Live like a child. I want to, I want to, I'm going to make a call to us right now, just for, just for a second, just for a moment. I just beg you, beg you for a moment. Can we be childlike as we go through these verses? Just for a moment. I want you to be childlike. I want you to forget, and I'm going to, and I'm going to believe that we can be childlike for a moment and take these verses for what they truly are. Let's throw away the pessimism. Let's throw away the skepticism. Let's throw away the doubt. Let's throw away, nope, it doesn't apply to me. Let's throw away, I don't even know if the Bible's true. Let's throw away all that crap and let's just be childlike for a second. Just for me, just for me. I know you like me, so do it for me if you don't want to. So what is our inheritance? We talked about we need to identify our inheritance. What is our inheritance? I talked about how it's heaven on earth how it's what Jesus paid for, but what does it look like? I'm gonna go through some verses. This is by no means a comprehensive list, but it's just some verses I picked out. I'm gonna go through them. First one is Galatians. Remember, be childlike here. I'm gonna to try to be. Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's me saying, man, I can walk by the Spirit every day. I can walk I can walk by the Spirit every day. That's my inheritance. That's what God paid for me to do was walk by the Spirit and never be controlled by my flesh. That it's possible for me to walk by the Spirit. It's possible for me to overcome my past. It's possible for me to not live in the flesh. It's possible for me to overcome the sin that I'm dealing with right now. It's possible to overcome the addictions that I have. It's possible because if we live by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 1 John four seventeen. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. I want to focus on the last part because as Jesus is, so are we. This verse is showing my inheritance of being just like Jesus. But I can tell you, my wife can tell you that I'm not like Jesus all the time. So I say just because I'm not living like him doesn't mean that's not my inheritance. So he's calling me into this place where I can actually live like Jesus. He's calling me into this place that says, just as he was, I want you to be. Just as he was, I want you to be. That means it's possible. That means be like child, like just a second. Say, man, I know it doesn't seem like I can because sometimes it's hard for me to imagine because I fall short so many times, but it, just for a second, I can say, man, I can be like Jesus. Man, and I read the scripture and I read all the accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I say, man, God is sick I could do that. Let's believe for a second. Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Man, right now, some, I, don't, I don't seek first the kingdom all the time, but this is telling me that I can. This is telling me that I can. Let's, okay, that, that means the first thing, that I can walk by the Spirit. I can walk like Jesus and I can seek first the kingdom of God. But just because I'm not doing it right now doesn't mean it's not possible. Just because I haven't seen Santa Claus doesn't mean he's not real. Somebody wooed me on that one. That's awesome. <laughs> Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God, I know sometimes I don't feel like the burden's easy. God, I know sometimes I don't feel like, I feel like I'm carrying so much stuff. God, I know sometimes that I don't feel like it's easy. It's not easy all the time. But God, I know that this is what your word says. That it's easy, God. And I trust to believe like a child and just say, okay, you said it's easy. I'm gonna believe that's my inheritance. That's what you paid for me. To, this for you paid for me is that it's easy, and even though it's not easy sometimes, I'm gonna believe that with you it can be easy. John, I'm gonna skip that one. I'm gonna move down to Ephesians three nineteen. No, it sounds like I'm crying. I just have a runny nose. Sure, somebody goes sure. Who was that? Sure, Ephesians three nineteen, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. (sighs) This one tells me that I can be filled to the fullness of God. This one tells me that my inheritance is the fullness of God. This one tells me that that I'm supposed to be full of something, but God, sometimes I feel empty. But God, sometimes I feel like I'm not full. Sometimes I don't feel full. I'm gonna believe like a child here for a second to say, "If if I just believe this, If I can just believe like a child, then I can be full. That my inheritance is fullness. Your inheritance is not what you're feeling. My inheritance is not what I'm feeling. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks, brother. Gross. I'm sorry. I'm glad I can bring a little comedic relief to this show. I really want to blow my nose right now, but I know it's going to be super loud and really disgusting, so I'm trying to hold off. Can you turn off my mic for a second? guys? Babe, do I have any boogers in my nose? Yeah? Okay. The man, Bill, he got my back. Man. I don't even remember where I was. Feelings. Your inheritance is not your feelings. Your inheritance is found. I wish I had a Bible. Your inheritance is found in the Bible. It's found in the Word of God. So if you're, your future... The life God is calling you to live. The life that God God is calling me to live. The life, my future, my hope, my everything is not found in my circumstances. It's not found in my past. It's not found in how my parents treated me. It's not found in my family relationships. It's not found in anything. It's found in the word of God. And if if our identity is found in anything less than the word of God, then we will be a wave tossed in the wind. We will be an emotional roller coaster because we will only be as good as our last good day. But there's a place that we can live and it's in the kingdom of God. It's in relationship with Jesus Christ that we can live every day. That we can live every day and it's not, it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean you're not going to have troubles. It means that you can live every day in relationship with God, relationship with Jesus, relationship with the one who's going to make it so easy. It doesn't mean your situations are easy. It just means he's going to make it easier because he's with you. So let's get back to our story. Oh, let's not go back to our story. So all these things, these verses, right? It sounds good, right? So all these verses, they sound good. They sound good. I bet the promises of milk and honey, I, best, I bet you when, when Moses told the people, we're going to go to this land that's filled with milk and honey. We're going to go to this land that's going to be bountiful. We're going to go to this land that's so awesome. I bet you when he told them that, they were really excited. They're like, oh, that sounds good. That sounds really good. It's way better than the desert. Here's the deal. After the spies came back, remember they said, they said, the, the fruit is amazing. Everything's amazing. But 10 of them had a but. God doesn't like buts. 10 of them said, but... Ten of them said, but there are no buts when it comes to the word of God. Numbers 13, 28. But the people who live there, this is what the, the ten, there's ten spies, ten of the men who went into the land. This is what they said. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants, descendants of Enoch there. Listen, listen, Jake, all those verses sound good. Everything that you say sounds good. Everything that you say is like, oh yeah, I can, I can expect that coming from you. That sounds good, but that's just not reality, man. Get over it. That's just not reality, man. Yeah, that, the, the land was really good, but it's, there's, there's just too much opposition. And I'm here to tell you, man, it's not about what you went through that defines you. It's about what Jesus went through that defines you. And if we only knew, if we only knew that, he, and really knew and really just lived in the place that he loved us so much that he paid for all of our sins to be forgiven. He loved us so much that, that, that we could have relationship back with him. But Jake, you don't know what I've been through. All that milk and honey sounds good. All that, those verses talk about freedom, all those verses about easy and light, all those verses about living by the Spirit, they sound really good. They sound good. That's what Christians should talk about. But it's just not realistic. But then Caleb. Caleb was one of the men. Caleb was one of the men. He stood up and said, "No, we can do it." He said, "We can go and take that land. They are not too powerful because we have God on our side. It is not too pow- They are not too powerful. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it." So he had ten spies. 10 people who were telling them that they couldn't do it, telling the people of Israel, telling the congregation, telling the million people, telling everyone that's too much. It's too much. And you had two people who were saying, we can do it. We can do it. It was Joshua and it was Caleb. We can do it. You can live this life. You can live the Christian life. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter the opposition. You can do it. Stop making excuses and let's do it. But here's the deal. The 10 people I guarantee this. Probably something like this happens. So two, Joshua and Caleb got up and they said, "No, we can do it, guys. We can go into the land. We can take the land. We can go into that land because God's with us. We can go in the land." And all the time, the guys in the town are like, with the people, while they're making, they're like, "Guys, we can't. We can't do it. We're gonna die." We we were there. The city, the walls are huge. The walls are huge. The people are huge. They have armies. We're just, we're just, we're slaves who are in the desert. We don't have an army. The opposition is so big, the walls are so big, there's no way we can do it. Then you have two people who are saying, we can do it, we can do it, and what happens is, the two people, the 10 people, they convinced everyone, all million people, or at least the adults, all the adults, all the people who can make decisions for themselves, they convinced them that they couldn't do it. They started complaining. They started saying, why don't we just go back to Egypt and be slaves? People of Israel had the opportunity to listen to two voices. They had, had the opportunity to listen to two perspectives. Which brings up my next point. The first point, remember, was ident- identify your inheritance. Which is found in the Word of God is heaven on earth. Identifying your inheritance. The second thing, when you decide that you're going to start living in your inheritance, when you decide that I'm going to follow Jesus with all that I have, when you decide I'm going to be a better person tomorrow than I am today, when you decide I'm not going back, I'm going forward. There's a big bullseye that's slapped right in your back. Because right, right. the last thing the devil wants is for you to start living in your inheritance. Right. The last thing he wants is for you to become a follower of Jesus Christ who sold out. It's the last thing he wants. So you, you, have two. We have two voices. Once we decide we're following him, we have two voices that we can listen to, two voices, which brings up my next point. Identify when we're discovering our inheritance. We have to identify the voices of your inheritance. So I want to throw up the picture real quick, if you can, identify the voices. So this is my. These are my nephews right here, Andy and Richard. So, so we were, um, we were taking them. It's their birthdays, so we were taking them to. Uh, to Chuck E. Cheese, and they were in the back seat, and, and they were uh, we were driving, and all of a sudden, Andy, who's the younger one, who's on the left, who's crying, he didn't like me. He started, he, he, he was like, <laughs> I was like, what? I just ignored him. So did Abby. He's like, <mumbles> and I was like, what was that, Andy? Say it again. He goes, <laughs> I was, like, I was like, Ab, do you know what he's talking about? Do you know what he's saying? She's like, I have no idea what he's saying. So we're just like, we're driving. All of a sudden, Richard, who's the older one, who's his brother, goes, oh, he said, are we going to Grammy's house? <laughs> and so the, throughout the whole night, Andy would say stuff. We had no idea what he said. We're like, Richard, what do he say? He's like, he said this. Richard, what do he say? He said this. He's, he's like my, he was like our literal interpreter. He was our translator for Andy because here's the deal. Richard... And Andy live together. They spend time with each other. They know the language they speak. Richard understands his language. I don't spend that much time with Andy. I spend maybe a couple times a month with him, and even then, it's only like for a couple of hours. And so, I don't understand him. So my question to ask you is: Which voices are most familiar to you? There's going to be two voices, and we have to identify and and give. We have to identify and give attention to the fact that there's going to be two voices when we decide that we're following Jesus with all we have. There's two voices that are going to come to you. The people of Israel had two voices. They could listen to the the ten spies who said, We can't do it, or they could listen to the two spies who said, We can do it. They had a choice. So there's two different voices. So let's, let's put ourselves in the role of the Israelites who are sitting here. We, we don't actually have, we haven't seen the, the promised land. We only read about it. We only, we, only, we only see it or hear about it from the people. And so there's going to be two voices. The first voice is the 17% voice. This voice is the voice of your inheritance. This voice is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And this is the voice that we miss all the time. This is the voice that's illogical. This is the voice that we ignore. This is the voice that we say, hey, I'm not going to do that. This is the voice that says, yeah, I can do that. Sounds good now when we get in our... this This is the voice that you hear in your seat and you're excited about, right, while you're here. This is the voice that you're saying, I can do this. This is the voice that's saying, you can do it. This is the voice that's saying, this is right for you. This is the voice that's saying, you need to live this way. This is the voice that gets you excited. This is the voice that says, I can do it. This is the voice that's encouraging us. This is the voice that's giving us hope. This is the voice that's saying, we can have the inheritance. This is the voice that's saying, we can have the land. This is the voice. But it's the 17% voice. Which means there's another voice, it's the 83% voice. I do my math right this is the voice of discouragement this is the voice that you hear in your car after you're done coming to church this is the voice that says no you can't do that man this is the voice that says no nah, no nah, honey you're, you've done too much this is the voice that says eh, I don't know you, sh- you probably shouldn't give all that you have to God because you know it's not as fun this is the voice that says you know what eh, those it's just not true what, what, what Jake was saying is just not true. This is, that's the voice that's saying. This is the voice that's keeping you from obeying the voice of hope that's stirring inside of you. And here's the reality. This voice is the voice of the majority. This is the voice that we are most familiar with. This is the voice that we love to listen to. This is the love that makes so much sense to us. This is the voice that is so reasonable. This is the voice that says two plus two equals four. This is the voice that says the walls are too big. The people are too strong. The armies are too big. We can't go into the land. This is the voice that says you've done too much to be a Christian. You've done too much to serve God. Uh, to serve God, You've done too much. You're, you're, you're too far gone. This is the voice that says, nah, you don't need to give all your, this is the voice that we listen to all the time. This is the voice that's that's our natural tongue. <laughs> and if we don't train ourselves to start listening to the 17% voice, the 17% voice will always get drowned out by the 83% voice. The still small voice will get drowned out by the loud shout of discouragement that we feed ourselves in our mind. We give ourselves a little a little voice of hope, but then we don't give it attention, and if we don't give it attention, it dies which is our message next week, so I won't get into it. The Israelites had a choice of who they were going to listen to. We all have a choice of what voice we're going to listen to. There's no victims here. We all have a choice. Are we going to listen to discouragement, or are we going to listen to the voice of hope? Are we going to listen to the voice of reason, or are we going to listen to the voice of our inheritance, of the word of God? Of the, of the Spirit of God that's speaking to us right now. Even as we speak, there's hope. I can feel it. There's hope in people. I see it in your eyes. There's hope that's stirring. You say, I want that, I want that, I want that. You need to feed that. Because if you don't feed it, it will die off. It, it's just the truth. The devil does not want us to live in our inheritance. Like I he said, he's got a bullseye. He does not want you to live in the fullness that, that God has paid for you to live. Remember, inheritance is the is the life Jesus paid for us to live. He does not want you to get the full price. He wants you to live in a fraction of what you, you should. Because here's the reality. God, the devil is not upset that we're going to heaven. He's not. I mean, he, knows that, he knows that people are going to follow Jesus. I mean, he's not upset that we're going, he's not upset. But what the thing that he doesn't want. The thing that he does not want is for you to know who you are. He does not want me to know who I am because here's the reality. If we live, if we live lukewarm, if we live halfway Christianity, halfway, if we live, yeah, I can do this because God forgives me because there's grace. I can do this because, yeah, he'll forgive. If we live like that, it's called lukewarmness. And here's the reality. The devil loves lukewarm Christians because they drag other people away from Christ. God says, Jesus says, I'd rather have you hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, the world sees you and says, I don't want you. But if you're hot, they say, man, that's a fire. I can't stop looking at it. And if you're cold, you're attracted to the heat. I know this place can be cold sometimes, so I see all the girls wearing sweaters and sweatshirts all the time. All the girls said, (laughs) Amen. Devil does not want us. He's not, he's not. intimidated by a lukewarm Christian. He's intimidated by someone who knows their inheritance, not somebody who has it all together, but somebody who's moving in the right direction. Right. So we identify. We identify our inheritance. We identify the voices. There are two voices. You will always hear them. They will never. You will never not hear the voice of discouragement. You will always hear it, I promise you. I hear it every day. I heard it before I came up to speak. (laughs) I heard it when I was preparing for the message. I heard it, I hear it every morning. (sighs) Am I going to listen to it though? Number three is we need to identify people who inspire you, identify people who inspire you towards your inheritance. Joshua and Caleb were the ones who were supposed to inspire everyone. But instead, the 10 discouraged everyone. So we need to find people who are going to inspire us, like Joshua and Caleb. We need to find people who are more passionate than we are. We have to, because I saw, I saw a thing on the internet that said, if you're the smartest p- person in the room, you're in the wrong place. If you're the most spiritual person in the room, you're in the wrong place. I love being here because I know I'm not the most spiritual person in the room. (laughs) We have to have people who inspire us towards what we want. We've all seen and we're so attracted to people. We see people who are passionate. We see people who are on fire. We see people who are pure. We see people of integrity and we say, man, I wish I could be like that but I can't and I'm here to say you can. I'm here to say you can but you have to find people who inspire you. You have to find people who will give you something to strive towards. And so what happens is when I, and I've told my testimony before, but I had a guy named Darren Tigular. He He's spoken here before and he inspired me. I said, man, I want to be like that. I said, man, I, I want to be like that. So what I started doing is I started reading the Bible and then I started reading about Jesus and I said, and I started reading about him. And I said, man, I want to be like that. And then I started reading Acts and I saw these people and they were, they were doing amazing things. They're living in this, in this power. And I said, man, I want to be like that. And so we find these people, real people in our real lives that we can connect with, and we find people who are in the Bible that just inspire us. And we have have to focus on our future and what we're moving towards and what we're moving from. Find people who inspire you. The way we discover our inheritance is finding people who are living in the inheritance that we want to live in. you want to be passionate about Jesus Christ and you don't know how to get there, start hanging out with people who are passionate about Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about hearing the voice of God, start hanging around people who listen to the voice of God because there's many people here who do. 1 Corinthians 11.1. This is Paul speaking. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of, of Christ. Find someone to inspire you. So who's inspiring you? So we identify the inheritance. We identify the voices. We call out the voices. We don't ignore the discouragement. We call out for what it is. Identify the voices. We identify people who inspire us. And then last thing, we expect opposition. John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in you, or in me, you may have peace. This is Jesus talking. In this world, you will have trouble. God is faithful, isn't he? (laughs) He says there's going to be trouble. How many of you got trouble? He's faithful. Does not mean he brings the trouble? You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Expect opposition. Expect opposition. If you decide to do this thing, if you decide that I'm gonna live in my inheritance, I'm gonna take a step forward. I'm gonna feed that thing that says, I wanna be more like Christ. I wanna take a step forward. I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna live like I did because I know the way I'm living like I did is not getting me anywhere. I know it's just driving me deeper in a hole. I'm gonna make a step to go forward. I'm not gonna be perfect, but I'm gonna make a step forward. I'm gonna make a step forward. I'm gonna make a step that way. I'm not going back. I'm looking forward. And when we do that, you have to, you have to, you have to expect opposition. The people, the, the ten spies who were discouraged, they, they went in thinking, man, this is our land. We're just going to walk in and take it. No opposition. There's always opposition. It's just the truth. And if, you, if, you do, if you're not prepared for it, it will destroy you. But opposition means you're close. Opposition means you're close. The more opposition you face, it means the closer you're getting to the, to the goal that you have. Don't let opposition discourage you. Opposition is simply an opportunity. Opposition is an opportunity. I've seen so many people who have said, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna start being, I'm gonna start living for Christ. I'm gonna start doing it. And they've just, they didn't expect it to be hard. They thought it was gonna be sunshine and roses, dandelions and lollipops. and It just, it just wasn't, it got hard. And when you don't expect it, you get destroyed. Expect opposition. Expect walls. Expect barriers. Expect things to go wrong. But then rejoice when you can be okay when things go wrong. So I'm going to end here with, an, with a summarization because we'll need to know the end of the story in order to move on next week. So they go. They come back. And the, and the Israelite people, they don't mind. They're discouraged. They don't want to go and move forward and trust in God so God tells Moses, say, every single adult in Israel will die before we enter the promised land. But when all of those adults who made the decision to follow the discouragement, when, all they, when they all die, then I'll bring my people in. Discouragement, listening to the voice of discouragement has a price. And what it is, it means, we'll, if we follow the voice of discouragement, we'll wander. We'll wander going in our worlds, not knowing why we're alive. Waiting, postponing our purpose. Discouragement postpones our purpose. Even if we know, even if we know, we know, we know the promises, we know our inheritance, but we choose to listen to the voice of discouragement still, we'll die in the wilderness. It doesn't mean we're not gonna go to heaven. It just means we're gonna die, not living in the fullness that God has has paid for us. So I'm gonna repeat it one more time. Identify your inheritance. Identify the voices. Identify people who inspire you. Who you say, man, I want to live, I wanna live like that. And expect that position. I wanna end like this. If you, like I guess I would get your phones out. I'm not gonna make you do anything crazy. Or if you have a notepad, you can keep that out. And I'd like you all just to participate in this. I'm gonna ask you to tap into that voice of, the voice of inheritance. I'm gonna ask you to tap into that voice of hope. I'm gonna ask you to tap into the voice of the Holy Spirit, which is here right now, that wants to speak to you. It's a still, small voice. It's just a little thought that comes from nowhere. I want you to tap, we're gonna tap into that right now. If your phones out, you can go to your notes, go to a text message, whatever you wanna do. You're just gonna be writing some stuff down. Thanks, Amanda. if you don't have anything you don't have a phone it's okay I want you, just, you can just close your eyes and you can just think you can just sit and meditate and, and think and, and pray the same things that we're going through but what I want to do is take a moment to ask God what he really wants for our lives that little thing that makes our heart jump that little thing that we know we're supposed to do that little thing that, we know, that we're supposed to pursue that we're going to forget about in our car once we leave I want you to write that down that thing that's burning inside of you that you haven't told anyone, the thing that you say, I know, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I just keep forgetting. I know I'm supposed to, I am I'm supposed to get, that thing inside of you, it's different for everyone. And I just want you to write down some things that you're thinking. What would you like your life to look like? What would you like all your past aside, your child, your childlike faith stepping forth, what would you like your life to be like? What would you like it to look like? You said, man, God, if, what, do you, what do you see in my life that I don't see? What, what's the thing that you're calling me towards? Don't be reasonable. Don't be logical. Dream big. Be childlike right now. Don't be reasonable. This is your one time to be childlike or a second time for the night. And I'm praying right now that every person connects with the Holy Spirit in a way that is above and beyond what they expected. Because if you can explain it, it's not enough. Write down something that's so beyond you. Write down something that's not that no one would ever expect from you. Write down something that you say, this is what I want, but I just don't know how to get there. Write down that inheritance. Write down that promise. Write down that purpose that God is placing inside of your heart. Write it down or think about it. Write it down think about it because we need to keep it and don't worry if it seems out of your reach or you can never do it those are the things that God wants to do in you the things that are out of reach the things that's so impossible are God's possible if you say I can never do that I can never be that person write it down Because he wants to show you something in yourself that you've never seen. And it's the thing he's seen all along. And if you don't have anything, don't be discouraged. If you don't have anything, ask the question again tonight before we go to bed and write it down because we're going to use these things next week. We're going to use them next week in the the, the message. So it's important that you write it down and you keep it (laughs) because in your car, your mind's going to tell you it's not possible, but you need to have it written down to remind yourself it's possible. If you're here and you've never and you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, if you never made a commitment to say, you know what, I want to live for God. And you've said, you know what, I just don't know what I'm doing in my life. And you say, I don't know where I'm going. We don't want to leave here without giving you an opportunity to say, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. I want to live that life that you're talking about. I want to live that life all out. I want to live that life going forward, not backwards. If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, we want to give you an opportunity tonight. So with everyone's heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Awesome. I'm just gonna pray to close it out. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you, God, for, for your voice that speaks to us so clearly. I thank you for your presence that's here. God, and I thank you that we're moving forward. I thank you, God, that you're the best encourager, the best teacher ever. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen.